Hi, I'm Jackie Clydesdale. And I'm Liz Walker. And you're listening to Choral Fixation, where we ask, why do people love singing together? And how do we get the non-singers to join in? What are we going to talk about today, Liz? Well, it turns out that as our backs were turned, people were singing together. I know. Isn't that crazy? We actually have, <laughs> we have breaking news on the <laughs> singing together front. That's crazy. I know. Never happens. We usually talk about topics at our own pace whenever we feel like it. Uh, right. We were in the middle of recording a three-part series on protest music, and we decided to take a break and talk about sea shanties. The Wellermen. TikTok shanty. Talk sh- shanty talk. Shanty talk. Hashtag shanty talk. That's right. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about what you've heard. Well, it has come out of nowhere. <laughs> and between Bernie's mittens and Sea Shanty Talk, uh, it has that has just been overwhelming my social media basically for the past week. Right. And so last fall, I started seeing some choir friends posting Sea Shanties on TikTok. And I thought to myself, what is TikTok? <laughs> <laughs> the interesting thing about the way that this singing together is happening is that TikTok actually lets you duet with people. So somebody can post a song that they sing by themselves Mm -hmm. and then there's the duet with me function, right? And people can just hit that and then either sing along with them together or add a harmony, which is what seems to be happening. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like karaoke in your car, except it's on the internet for everybody to see lots of fun ways to play around with it right and so we've seen these videos that have got you know they start off with one person and then they've got dozens of people participating each one each one layering in their own line of music and some of them sound really incredible and they end up having these really full sounds that people i think are really responding to particularly the wellerman song which was posted um it was posted by a few different people at first but the one that really took off was a postman from Glasgow named Nathan Evans Uh, he posted a very sort of bare bones version of himself just singing the melody and then the layering of the harmonies on top of it oh boy the put to see the name of the ship was a belly of tea the winds blew up her bow dipped down below my belly boys blow soon may the weatherman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum one day when the tonguing is done we'll take our leave and go Soon may the weatherman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tonguing is done, we'll take our leave and go. She had not been two weeks from shore, and down on her a right whale bore. The captain called all hands and swore he'd take that whale in tow. Soon may the weatherman come to bring us sugar Jackie, what is the first rule of singing together? Blend with the person next to you and don't... <laughs> stand out our <laughs> choir director will yell at you that's right <laughs> but like but going back to all this stuff we talked about in our first protest music episode get your voices synchronized and your breathing synchronized and uh start producing some what do you call it Oxy- oxytocin, oxytocin and you're starting to feel warm about people it makes yeah. you feel really good to to sing together it makes you feel really good specifically to harmonize just really feels really good <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah for and sure the, and, the, and the, what is the second rule of singing together right now <laughs> right now <laughs> no no singing together right now so as we were describing on tiktok you can layer your voice in on a multi-layered track already so your voice you're hearing your voice with all those other people and i was really wondering if just that alone gives you a little little hit of oxytocin yeah, I think it absolutely does. And I think even just listening to it does, right? That 
oh that my deep goodness. rich bassiness i think hits so it's almost physical right like it, it feels like it rattles your bones a bit i was thinking of the the that sort of droney sound that was in the um music that i played in the in that first protest episode of the sardinian mm, yeah i was thinking of the yeah i was thinking about the sardinian vocal tradition and w- which has a real really bassy almost droney effect right and I was reminded of that listening to these uh, these TikToks. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of regional variants, I think that's actually a great segue into what we're going to talk about in this episode, which is Canada's own sea shanty, the emblematic uh, sea shanty of Canada, Barrett's Privateers. Okay, so Liz, I'm about to email you a picture. Okay. Or text you, I guess. Tell me what you see. Describe who you see in this picture. I love it. Who those people are, what they, where do you think they are, and what oh my God. they were just. <laughs> there we go. So this is a picture of you and me and our friends, Aaron and Rob, and we are outside of a pub called Hurley's in Montreal, and it is probably 1995. Yep, I would say that's about right. Mm-hmm winter time we're wearing winter coats and i remember this night very well despite everything that happened um, i don't know how that's possible but okay <laughs> i just remember we had a great night we were in the we we were kids who for some reason went to these irish pubs and we went for the music and we went for the beer and we had a great time singing and pounding our beers on the table and it was the 90s yes that's right it was, it was the 90s and it was the 90s well and the celtic tiger was raging and uh, Michael Flatley and the Lord of the Dance. Oh, my Lord, yes. Was, you know, spinning his magic. Um, and sort of all things Irish were taking a front seat. And so. Roddy Doyle. Yeah. Yeah. Roddy Doyle. Sea, a great big sea. Yes. Uh, and so there was plenty of Celtic style around. And yeah. uh, we had a good time singing songs. I mean, a lot of those songs I knew in part because my parents who are Scottish immigrants would sing them. And so I already knew like tons of those songs. And one of the ones that kept coming up was Barrett's Privateer. Highlight of every night, honestly, because <laughs> what would what would happen is that they'd be playing the songs and then someone would come up with Barrett's Privateers and the entire room would sing along. Yeah, for sure. With the words that they knew. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But the interesting thing about Barrett's Privateers and the lyrics particularly, we'll get into that, is that Barrett's Privateers actually tells you a mini version of the story just in the response part. Like just Barrett's Privateers is a sea shanty. A lot of the songs like Wellerman, for example, is not (laughs) technically a sea shanty. It's a song of the sea, but it doesn't have the call and response that Barrett's Privateers has. So Barrett's Privateers has a line. Then a line the audience repeats, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And then two more lines. And then sort of like the mini encapsulated story, the beginning and the Mm -hmm. end, all wrapped up. So let's take a listen to it now. Okay. Oh, the year was 1778. How I wish I was in Sherbrooke now. A letter of mark came from the king to the scummiest vessel I've ever seen. God damn them all. I was told we'd cruise the seas for American gold. We'd fire no guns, shed no tears. Now I'm a broken man on a Halifax pier, the last of Barrett's privateers. Oh, well, Sid Barrett cried the town. 
How I wish I was in Sherbrooke now. For 20 brave men, all fishermen, who would make for him the antelope's crew. God damn them all. Let's talk a little bit about Stan Rogers. Let's talk about the man who wrote it, the, the yeah. Canadian folk music legend. Uh, what do you know about Stan Rogers? He was tall and bald. Yeah. He was six foot four. Yep. Bald as a cue. Mm-hmm. Big beard, big voice. Who tragically died in an airline accident in like the early 80s. That's right. So uh, a career cut short, but the legend has grown absolutely in the in the 40 almost 40 years since he died i mean there's a stan fest which is a stan rogers folk festival out in nova scotia mm-hmm. i think he's considered the king of of regional folk music in canada absolutely it's really interesting to me because when i was doing some research one of the lines that i came across in the canadian encyclopedia online no less said he is perhaps best known for the rousing a cappella anthem northwest passage and I love Northwest Passage. I think it's yeah. beautiful, but it's really interesting to me that that was the song they picked because right. the, the the song that I most closely identify him with is Barrett's Privateers. Yeah. And whether or not that's his best song, that's a different thing. But Stan Rogers was born in Hamilton, Ontario. He isn't actually from the East Coast, but his mom was from Canso, Nova Scotia, and he spent a lot of his summers there. Right. So Stan Rogers was actually... Uh, you know, an upper Canadian who (laughs) went down home. Um, He went up the road. He went up the road, exactly. So he began his professional career in the late 60s, and he did the the, the folk club circuit. But what's really interesting, which I did not know, which I discovered from doing some of this research, is that he was originally, he was signed to a couple of different record labels, and they tried to get him to do some stuff that really was not in his wheelhouse. Like... Well, he started doing he started doing uh like novelty songs. Hail to you Santa Claus, come to me tonight. You can just google it. It's Stan Rogers, Hail to you Santa Claus. You can recognize his uh, beautiful voice there even if it's a dumb song. I mean, he he has said in interviews like this is ridiculous. Like I right, they did okay. not know what to do with me. But you can you can but you can imagine that they wanted to do something cuz he has such a beautiful voice and such a presence. Words that made me want to cry, I didn't want to hear. He said Let's talk a little bit about him moving into the folk music tradition, right? So he started working on Sylvia Tyson's radio show. Sylvia Tyson was a part of the popular uh, Ian and Sylvia folk music duo out of Canada. He was on John Allen Cameron's show and he did a bunch of different things. And then around 1973, his brother, Garnet, um, who plays the guitar and fiddle and flute and provides beautiful harmonies, um, he became his primary sideman and they performed at a bunch of folk festivals. Mm-hmm. Folk festivals now take us to the creation of Barrett's Privateers. Now, I'm going to read you a little story. Okay. This is from an interview that Stan gave to the Folklife magazine. Oh, the days when there were magazines devoted to Folklife. Yeah, I know. This is from digitalfolklife.org. Then there's the monster, Barrett's Privateers. When was that written? And Stan says, at the Northern Lights Folk Festival in 76, I was hanging out with the Friends of Fiddler's Green, that bunch of loonies. And the interviewer says, I've heard of them. And Stan says, rightly so. They're very sick men. And the interviewer <laughs> says, uh, Tam Kearney is going to come. I, I think I think the interviewer is Scottish because he says, Tam Kearney is going to come after you with a lumber's helper, Stan. And then Stan says, he knows what I think of him. He knows I love him. He also knows that I think he's totally crazy. 
At any rate, I was hanging out with all those guys. They'd rather sing than eat. Almost rather sing than drink. (laughs) And they were hanging out in their rooms, all into singing sea shanties. I loved the parts. It was great fun. But I wanted to sing lead and have them sing the harmonies for a change. But I didn't know any of these songs because I was a total neophyte in traditional music. Still am, for that matter. So I went back to my room and I thought over a story a poet friend had told me about Nova Scotian privateering in the time of the American Revolutionary War. Hmm. I got this little bit of a tune running through my head, and 20 minutes later, I had Barrett's Privateers written down. What? I know. So Barrett's Privateers is basically his Jolene. Oh my God, like a gift of inspiration. I went back to the room where the friends all were and said, hey, hey, I got a new song. And Tom Kearney said, aw, folk, Rogers is going to make us cry again. And I said, no, no, you don't understand. This is a different kind of song. So I started singing it. And by the time I got to the second chorus, they were all crowded around, reading the page over my shoulder and singing perfect bloody harmonies. (laughs) So I knew that the song had satisfied my desires. I never expected it to go beyond that point. I just wanted a song that I could sing lead on that night. Since then, it has taken off. Oh my gosh, that's an amazing story. <laughs> so he so he writes this, uh, he writes a monster hit by accident, kind of out of spite, inspiration, whatever you want to call it. And then it takes off. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't. I think it's still mainly, I think it's still mainly popular on the folk circuit at first, certainly through the 70s and into the early 80s, I think. Because I guess there wasn't really a place to hear this on the radio. Yeah, I mean, CBC is playing him a bit, but like he never he never cracked into commercial radio, right? He started recording albums, and the first album that he recorded in 76 has Barrett's Privateers on it. That's Fogarty's Cove, right? That's Fogarty's Cove, that's right. That he recorded independently because nobody else knew what to do with him. <laughs> right, right. But, I mean, uh, he recorded that in the basement studio of Daniel Lanois. Oh, oh, right. In Hamilton. Legendary Canadian. Yep. Legendary right. Canadian folk musician. So he's touring. I guess the the way that this song is getting out is by touring. He's playing at folk festivals, playing in bars, playing wherever you can get a gig. That's right. So, Jackie, uh, there's a video that I want to share with the people who are listening. And we've got it in our show links. And it's a little clip from a documentary called One Warm Line. It was a CBC documentary about Stan Rogers and his life and what i love so much about it in the context of the story that you just told is it's um it it opens with him talking about the shore and the sea and and the kind of music that he started making and then it goes into a clip of him sitting around the kitchen table kaylee party he's got the members of fiddler's green sitting around the table they're singing barrett's privateers his brother garnet is sitting beside him with a oh with the long with the long hair (laughs) looking like a lion and and you really see stan leading this song kind of achieving exactly what he wanted to that's right yeah it's his it's his song and they're they're supporting and uh you know filling it out and making it round and full and Mm -hmm. and beautiful but stan stan's the one in control yep after the first album which is uh, almost entirely about the scene about this area um, I thought I'd get out of it, you know. I, I, I'd started out as a contemporary songwriter, you know, uh, and but I found I couldn't, I couldn't leave it alone. You know, once you get, once you get hooked on a thing like this, you get the the sea in front of you all the time. You you can't leave it alone. 
On the 96th day we sailed again. How I wish I was in Sherbrooke now. When a bloody great Yankee <laughs> hove in sight, with our cracked four-pounders we made to fight. God damn them all. The other thing that I find really interesting about it is the way that this house, the story, the video, it's, it is set on the seashore and it is very much a bit of Canadian fantasy about the kitchen Kaylee and the party and the, the being, being inspired by an East coast lifestyle. Definitely a kind of, uh, authentic sounding uh, <laughs> sea shanty and kitchen party right. feel um, That's right. that people you're, you're from St. John, New Brunswick. You know, you know, you know what this is like, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> You've done this. Well, I've crowded into uh, a crowded uh, kitchen and sung with people. That's for sure. Uh, I didn't necessarily have like the Dickies on and like, <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I'm sorry, the seventies fashion of this is fantastic. Oh yeah, no, it is. For sure. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about, I think we're talking a little bit, we're starting to touch on the idea of authenticity, right? Mm -hmm. And the really interesting thing I think about Barrett's Privateers is that it rings so true to people. Like uh, mm -hmm. I, I would, I, I really honestly assume most people think it is legitimately from the, you know, late 18th, early 19th century. Right. It's right. Uh, It's a song that... I mean, Stan really knew his stuff when he was writing the lyrics. He really knew all about um, all about the privateering lifestyle um, because he had researched it and because he had a poet friend who, um, what was his name? He has a great, he's a very Scottish name. Everybody's very Scottish in this, who uh, helped him out. Archibald McMechan. Archibald McMechan. Uh, who wrote books on Canadian privateers. And so um, Stan did a lot of research. I'm going to let, actually, this is a pretty good clip too. I'm going to let Stan tell you a little bit about privateering. Mm, um, mm, mm. I was just wondering, what are these privateers? Because they're not pirates? We're not calling them pirates. They're they're like official pirates for the king. So this is Stan on a talk show explaining what the privateering life is uh, in Nova Scotia during the time period of Barrett's privateers. It's, it's still a strange and, and old place. John Paul Jones burned it down twice during the American Revolution, sacked and pillaged the whole coast twice. What, did he mess up the sacking and pillaging the first time and tried it again? What, well, what, no. It was what, such what, a great success, he wanted to do it again. No, the, the, Congre the, America, the Continental Congress got upset because there's so many privateers operating out, out of Nova Scotia, particularly Halifax and, and the northern coast, uh, Canso and North. And uh, so he, John Paul Jones was sent up, and he sort of did his rape and pillage routine uh, along the coastline and did it to Canso twice. Have you thought of revenge at all as the community decided to uh, wrote a song about it? <laughs> so that was Stan talking about privateers coming up the coast and sacking. Uh, so this was during the American Revolutionary War. When when Canada would have been a loyalist British yeah. colony. Yes, we were British North America. I think that's right. what we were called at that point. Yeah. We're going to get into the lyrics because this will help explain exactly what a privateer is. But it's basically someone who's given who's been given permission to uh, attack the enemy and steal their stuff. So like a pirate, but 
with legitimacy because the king gives right. the king gives you permission to steal stuff from the enemy. License to kill. That's right, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the actual lyrics of Barrett's Privateers because this okay. will help us to understand. And I think it speaks to some of the, uh, like some of the appeal of Barrett's Privateers is that it sounds so authentic. Uh, Sam Pope, it's really nice to talk to you. Are you in Kent? Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, about an hour south of London. I spoke to uh, Sam Pope. He's a professional musician living in the south of England. And he joined TikTok back in like October and started doing sea shanties in December. And on the strength of that has amassed like 300,000 people. It's amazing. And he's doing a lot of really fun stuff. He did the Wellerman. He's done really great duets. And he turned the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air into a sea shanty. He's just been discovering Stan's music. And here's what he had to say about Barrett's Privateers. In all honesty, that was definitely the most refreshing one that I've done. Um, because the, a lot of the other shanties, they're beautiful tunes. And they're meant to be repetitive. And they're meant, you know, and they're meant to have that kind of, it's easy for anyone to join in. It's easy for people to learn it very quickly. And mm-hmm. I think, think Barrett's Privateer is... is it's a little bit more complex and I think I, I like that side of it. I, I, I quite like um, slightly faster talking or faster um, sounding songs when it comes to lyricism and, um, and, and the tune on it is, was just gorgeous, but it didn't go exactly where you expected it to go. He changed, you know, he wasn't, it wasn't a simple, you know, kind of A, B, A, B, A, B rhyming pattern or anything like that. Um, he just kind of, he just pulls it about and, and it's, I just love that element of it. The very famous first line of Barrett's Privateers is, oh, the year was 1778. And so the American Revolution was uh, 1775. Sorry, I got to look up the numbers. 1775 to 1783. So during that time, there was uh, raiding, you know, all along, like, like Stan was just explaining. Nova Scotia actually had a history of privateering before that. So people would sign up to, you know. Raid uh, the sea. Get out there onto the open waters and raid the sea. Exactly. Um, then the next line is how I wish I was in Sherbrooke now. This has caused great consternation because Sherbrooke was not a Sherbrooke, Nova Scotia and Sherbrooke, Quebec did not exist at that point. There is some talk that this may be reference, a reference to Sir John Sherbrooke, which was a privateer vessel that was doing pretty well up and down the coast. And that the singer is kind of wishing that he had signed on to a different ship. That's right. Right. That's right. A letter of so the next line is a letter of Mark came from the king. And so a letter of Mark is specifically a privateering license. Right. Okay. That to the scummiest vessel I had ever seen. So this is pretty, pretty gross, rundown. He goes into detail about how rundown it is. Right. And then it's goddamn them all. I was told we'd cruise the seas for American gold. So everybody wants that adventure. Right. Everybody wants those dollar dollar bills. Mm-hmm. We'd fire no guns, shed no tears. Now I'm a broken man on a Halifax pier, the last of Barrett's privateers. And so that's one of the things I find very interesting about this is that's the whole story encapsulated in the first few lines, Mm -hmm. right? And these are the lines that keep getting repeated. And then basically over the course of the whole song, you get more details. Right, right, because it ends and you are in the present moment and he is already a broken failure. And so now he's going to tell you how he got there. That's right. Yeah. So it's a very, uh, I think it's a really clever conceit. And I think Mm -hmm. it's, um, again, 
playing into why it has held up and why it is why it is so appealing to people that essentially it's a story about how you did something and then you come to later regret it. So right. there's all this appeal of the sea and the the adventuring life and you know being out in the open waters and being promised money. That's right. And all right. the and all the togetherness that a sea shanty implies. But ultimately this is a story about regret. And mm, I really solitude. Think, yeah, that's right. He's the last. That's right. And he's looking back over his life. So I think really, truly, it's time to dig down a little bit. I just want to make sure we understand exactly what happens in the song, right? So mm-hmm. Elsid Barrett cried the town. So there's no there's no such person as Elsid Barrett, but it's a great name. And mm-hmm. uh, he cried the town. So he's out shouting for 20 brave men, all fishermen who would make for him the antelope's crew. The antelope. Yeah is the name of the ship and it's a very fast animal right i think Mm -hmm. antelopes had only pretty recently been discovered and so people would have just they only wouldn't know anything about antelopes except that they were fast right so uh which of course stands in ironic counterpoint to the fact that the antelope is old and falling apart yeah the scummiest vessel he's ever seen and he reinforces that by saying the antelope sloop was a sickening sight. <laughs> She'd list to the port and her sails in rags. So list means that it's like tilted either because it's leaking or because <laughs> ballasting, which is like the, the practice of like weighing things down properly, um, uh, wasn't done right. You know, hearing these lyrics makes me think that if Stan Rogers like knocked this song out in 20 minutes he would have had to have known quite a bit about yes ships yep she lists to the port and i just looked it up ports left starboards right i mean when when you don't know what the words really mean then it's really a jumble yeah of random words that's right <laughs> coming at you fast in a song and i say that because i remember being i think in hurley's with you one night and somebody started playing it but they didn't quite know the lyrics <laughs> But you were a strong voice in the crowd. And I remember like the person kind of like, kind of like pa- not passing the mic to you and like looking to you for some guidance on the lyrics. And you're like, uh, you know, because you were not expecting to be the person who was going to be leading on it. No, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> you probably blanked it out. Yeah. It's traumatic. Yeah, it does sound pretty traumatic. Also, I was probably just a smidge drunk. <laughs> Uh, she list to the port and her sails and rags and the cook in the scuppers with the staggers and jags. I remember specifically asking somebody about, I, but I remember being like, what are the, what are the scuppers? What's what the yeah. staggers, and, staggers jags. and jags? So the scuppers were the holes, uh, that drained water from the decks. Okay. If someone was drinking and they wanted to kind of like lie down. <laughs> Mm-hmm. yes yeah that, yes yes i know that feeling yes <laughs> they might stumble into those small holes oh drain water from the from the decks okay. and the staggers and jags is like one of the interpretations of this i read was that they had the dts oh. so oh 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 like like on yeah. the sloop chambi what yeah come on isn't the isn't the cook on the sloop John B like an alcoholic so hoist up the John B sail the poor cook, he got the fits and threw away all my grits. Then he took and he ate up all my corn. Let me go home. <laughs> oh, this is a... The know, cook isn't necessarily drunk, though. Well, I mean, he's he got, just took a fit. got the fits. I don't know. <laughs> 
I guess the cook on these these cruises. Not to be trusted, yes. No, exactly. <laughs> Okay. Uh, on the king's birthday, we put to sea. That's King George III's birthday, which would have been June 4th. And uh, privateers would celebrate it with flags and cannons. Oh, how how, how patriotic. Indeed. A- average people didn't care. So then they head down to Montego Bay, pumping like madmen all the way. We get to the... Pirates of the Caribbean part of the song. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> when a bloody great Yankee hove in sight... So this is uh, like a, a large merchant ship because it lay low down with gold. And then with our crack four pounders, we made to fight. Okay. Crack four pounders are little small four pound cannons. Can- yeah. oh, mini, mini cannons. Exactly. Uh, she was broad and fat and loose and stays, but to catch her took the antelope two whole days because the antelope is falling apart. Right. The American ship is full of... Um... Practically spilling over her top. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> see what's going on there yeah 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 it's no wonder that they see mermaids everywhere man (laughs) they don't see ladies for like months at a time and so they see ladies everywhere that's a damn attractive ship yeah (laughs) then at length we stood two cables away so that would be about 400 yards one fat ball the yanks stove us in so the the yanks had far superior uh firepower and just like one ball boom fat balls one fat (laughs) This is getting very vulgar. Very vulgar. Uh, so Barrett, the the captain, the captain was smashed like a bowl of eggs, and the main truck carried off both his legs. And the truck, according to the the breakdown I read, truck could be the the term for uh, the piece of wood, uh, like the round cap found at the top of the mast, uh, like the main mast. I'll be honest, I can't I can't really imagine that with my mind's eye. <laughs> That's right. That's just it. I don't know enough about ship parts either. It's true. But I believe you. Yes. Uh, But it also could refer to the wheels on the carriages holding the cannon. So. Okay. So Barrett's broken like a bowl of eggs. Smashed like a bowl of eggs. And the main truck truck carries off the legs of the narrator. That's right. Right. Both his legs. That's right. And so the very last... Um, the very last verse is, so here I am in my 23rd year. So he's been out at sea for six years. So he would have joined Barrett when he was 17. Oh. Yeah. How I wish I was in Sherbrooke now. It's been six years since we sailed away. And I just made Halifax yesterday. Right. So looking back with regret. Mm-hmm. Spending his latter teen years, early 20s, trying his best to achieve something. This all comes together. I mean, it really is. It's It all comes together. Ahoy, mateys. You're listening to Choral Fixation. Yeah, this is, a, this is actually a podcast about people singing together. We're happy to have you here today joining us while we're talking about some folk music and some sea shanties and Barrett's Privateers. We sure are. Arr. Arr. We are. <laughs> I'm going to play for you, actually, a little clip of... I tried to find some other podcasts about this mm-hmm. um, to see if people are talking about it. Not many people are, yep. um, but there is a podcast called Stand By Your Band, which is uh, it's a couple of comedians, Tom Thackar and Tommy McNamara. And their premise is they talk about the bands that Pitchfork attacks and your friends make fun of. Okay, so defending the indefensible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, <laughs> that, that issue of Might Magazine that we love so much. Yeah. Um, 
And their October 10th, 2019 episode is about Stan Rogers. And their guest was a guy named Charlie Bury, who loves Stan Rogers and talks all about how he wishes he was a person of the sea. And they kind of make fun of him. It's very cute. And I want you to just listen to how they talk about Barrett's privateers in particular. So here we go. Just a short clip. Uh, First of yeah. all, can I just say I would like nothing more than to be with my boys relaying a rendition of, of Barrett's Privateer. Oh, absolutely. Halifax Dude, could you imagine full squad Barrett's Privateers? We gotta get the oh my goodness. We gotta get the squad together to do this. Yeah, this that's is like good. One of my Maybe at one of our weddings. Yeah. Can we do a quick just the Halifax Pier part? One, two. Halifax Pier. Good. Why didn't you join you? Because well, you've made fun of my voice. <laughs> oh, before. come on. You, you said I had a terrible voice oh, once. I haven't let my song. So wow. then they just basically chirp on each other yeah. and tease each other. Right. And, um, and express their longing to, you know, their longing to be together. Yeah. I mean, this is 2019. <laughs> they could still go to each other's houses. That's right. And That's talk right. and hang out and sing and, you know, yeah. lick doorknobs if they wanted to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what I think, what, what, what do you think about that? When you hear these, when you hear these guys talking about singing Barrett's Privateers together, what strikes you? Okay. Well, I mean, the, it confirms the memories that I have, which is being in a, a space where this song is being sung and the carousing and the slamming the the pint of beer down onto the table and guys getting pretty riled up in a boondock saints kind of way <laughs> if i may boondock saints kind of way is the perfect way to express it yeah just like young white boys in hoodies getting real excited about this song just really feeling the goddamn them all <laughs> you know what i mean yep yep really leaning into goddamn them all but like loving the way that their voices rise together on that Halifax Pier thing. Like they really, they really do truly love it. They truly are feeling something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that they do not want to let go of. So I interviewed legendary folk musician and Stan's brother, Garnet Rogers. It was so great that you were able to do that and that he was willing to talk to us and all that stuff. It was so great. Yeah, we were so, so lucky. Thank you so much, Garnet. And he tells a pretty similar story that jives with your memories. But when you think about it from his perspective and when you hear how it made him feel and how it made Stan feel, we're going to introduce a minor note to the, to the proceedings. Yeah. So let's hear what Garnet had to say. Uh, you know, and then that, you know, the damned Barrett's privateers came into, into life and, uh, that unfortunately for me, I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy that my brother is remembered, but, uh, after about six weeks, we were just so tired of that song. It was a joke. Uh, it was kind of fun for, for a couple of months, um, well, we came off stage one night, you know, and we'd, we'd been trying to put over this stuff that we really believed in, we really invested in, that stuff that Stan had written from the heart that was so extraordinarily beautiful. 
And, you know, we finally gave up. We sang Barrett's Privateers and everyone's waving their glasses and shouting and, you know, breaking furniture and stuff. And we, you know, we finished the set with that and Stan just sort of muttered over his shoulder, you know, I just feel like I've stepped in dog shit. You know, I'm never going to scrape that song off the bottom of my foot. It was a funny relationship we had with this thing. I knew a guy 20 years ago who used to play in bars and folk clubs and stuff around Ottawa. And I mean, he described he described a totally similar thing that he'd get out there to play some of his originals, some covers and stuff. And there would just be like a table of guys who knew that he had Barrett's Privateers in his repertoire and would just shout at him to sing Barrett's Privateers. Yeah. You know, it was the climax of their evening. Get to it. And if they were already in their cups, then they were, yeah, yeah, well ahead of him. So I kind of wanted to point out to maybe some of our more international listeners that there is, or there certainly was, I don't know if this still holds true, but there was a phenomenon of uh, what we call down home upper Canadians. So people from Ontario in particular, uh, going down to the East Coast to universities like Dalhousie, UNB. Mount Allison. Yeah. Saint effects exactly Acadia yeah all those all those universities they they were in small towns or smaller cities so they had the appeal of like a traditional very nostalgic sort of like university leafy campus kind of small town vibe mm-hmm. um for cheap that's right for relatively cheap right and so that got kicked off like with the McLean's university rankings or like a magazine of like the best universities in Canada mm-hmm. and uh, the maritime universities did really well. And so there was just like this flood yeah. of, of students coming in from Ontario and from the rest of Canada as well, but they, they flooded in and they loved it. <laughs> yes. And they got to have uh, an East coast maritimer experience, sure. you know, yeah. getting drunk and pouring out of the bars at two, two thirty, and eating a donair. Yep. And singing Barrett's Privateers at the top of their lungs. That's right. They really loved it. Oh, Great Big Sea. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just remember being in, like, a Scarborough bar one night and, uh, like, on the dance floor. And that Great Big Sea hit came on. And, like, the people went, bananas. Yes. Bananas. <laughs> and as a person from the Maritimes, I had a little moment of, like, shaking my head. <laughs> Of course, of course. Which is our birthright. (laughs) (laughs) That is our our birthright, indeed. I think another thing that's part of our birthright, I think it's a pretty smooth transition there. A lot of East Coasters leave. (laughs) You and I left. Yeah, we did, yeah. Particularly out west to Alberta to find work. There's a long tradition of of Maritimers going away from an economically depressed region to other places. And it goes back That's to right. like the 60s and 70s, really. Stan Rogers' family themselves. Right. They, his mom was from Canso. I'm not sure where his dad's from, but also Nova Scotia, I think. Mm-hmm. And they moved up to Hamilton right. to work there. So it's a it's a story that's, that's still going on. It has been going on for a long time of, of you know, migration within Canada, of Canadians moving back and forth and, and taking, their, taking their regional identities with them. That's right. And yeah. that's something that's reflected right in the lyrics mm-hmm. of Barrett's Privateers. Right. This is a young man who signed up to make some money. He had to go away for a couple of years, but he was like, that's okay. It'll be worth it. We'll cruise the seas for American gold. We'll fire no guns. We'll right. shed no tears. And uh, yeah, he Easy. went away for work himself. Right. Yeah. And that, 
it, you can understand why East Coasters might be inclined to sing that in a pub out in uh, Grand Prairie or wherever they end up. Okay, I'm going to actually say, like, when we're talking about, you know, kind of like an economic tragedy or, I mean, economic mm -hmm. opportunity, but there are things that you lose in that transaction, right? And and I think some of the content, just going back to the Weller Man for a second, has to do with that loss of something. You know, um, you're in this dangerous situation, you're on these whaling ships, you're on these merchant these merchant ships. And you are rowing for your life or whatever it is the hell it is that they're doing on ships. Um, you're you are uh, you're on a small ship in the middle of the ocean. I hope you survive. Yeah. I mean, Sam Pope, his friend said to him, yeah, then as now, we're all in the same storm, but we're all in different ships. Let's hear what Sam Pope has to say. Everyone's just a bit fed up with with the way things have been the last year but um yeah. everyone's mental state at the moment is is obviously feeling a bit restricted feeling you know lonely there's a lot of that a lot of those sorts of emotions going floating about the world and i think this kind of music was written specifically for uh sailors traveling long distances it was obviously you know shanties were written to help them work and, and the timing of uh of pulling in rope and and, and stocking uh barrels and all sorts of stuff um but it was also as a means of keeping spirits up and having you know giving them something to to latch onto and to get make you know to give that team mentality and i think even though we're all you know separated by location the internet is a beautiful way of keeping people connected and i think this music is is just finding its way it's you know through the internet to try and connect people again which is a, a beautiful thing yeah it really is it's it's like the internet is our um ship's deck and we're exactly. all hanging out pulling exactly. pulling rope in or <laughs> Yeah, doing what putting up sales. I don't really know the full extent of what we would be doing, but yeah. <laughs> right. So that's the Wellerman. I think I think that totally totally does hit that Wellerman vibe that's going on right mm -hmm. now. Um, and I think that I mean it, it doesn't really quite explain Barrett's Privateers, but because Barrett's Privateers has been this thread that's been running through uh, Canadian identity for forty years now. And I think there's something about there's 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 some outrage there's some, resentment uh, resentment yes there's resentment I was told we'd cruise the seas for American gold what happened you know yeah. there's like there's definitely a sense of like injustice sure. <laughs> I mean that interviewer with Stan was like have you thought about revenge <laughs> right. right so like yeah there's right. there's that deep seated right. sort of sense of yeah there's we got to get back at them. God damn them all. Yeah, resentment that touches really deep in some in Canadians. For sure. <laughs> um, I found this really great quote from an article entitled, Sea Shanty TikTok is the perfect expression of masculinity for 2021. Which <laughs> I know, which kind of surprised me. I'm not going to lie to you. It's, a, it's on MSNBC. We'll include it in the notes for sure. Tell me what you think of this. In shanties, we find something both extremely manly and subversively tender. The former is easy enough to spot. 
working on a whaling ship or a merchant vessel involved tedious, back-breaking toil, the kind of physicality often associated with ideals of masculinity. Crew members were never at rest at sea, author Richard Henry Dana Jr. wrote in 1840, with never-ending tasks before them, including tarring, greasing, oiling, varnishing, painting, scraping, and scrubbing, not to mention watching at night, steering, reefing, furling, bracing, making and setting sail, and pulling, hauling, and climbing in every direction. But the early 19th century, when sailors' labors had yet to be replaced with steam and steel, was literally a romantic period, one in which artists felt the need to spill out every single one of their emotions free from shame. So interesting, the idea of these people being part of this vessel where they were the living cogs. Yeah. You know? That that never ceased. That never ceased. That physically, they're moving, they're doing, um, and they're just being ground down, you know, constantly, physically. Mm-hmm. But emotion and so emotionally, how can you how can you keep it together when your body is being worked so like crying out in their songs? That's right. Of course you're going to like call out for your sweetheart that you left in Nova Scotia. You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm, wonder if you'll right. ever see land again. That's right. He points out in the article about how many how so many of those sea shanties are are songs which are about lost loves, missing their family, missing their homes, you know. Yep really pouring out everything that they would have been feeling and using it as the grease to get the work done in an ironically. So this reminds me actually of a story that Garnet told me and I want to, uh, I want to play it for our listeners so that we can think a little bit about uh, masculinity and tenderness and how music can, can kind of bridge that gap. You know, Stan and I were at a, I was very young, and we were at this sort of sing-around at a uh, at a beach party in Port Dover, uh, in Ontario, and you know there were you know girls and beer, and we were all just having a great time, and you know but we were just young guys, and then suddenly you know about forty members of a bike gang came roaring in. You know, we thought we were going to die. You know the girls were all going to get stolen, and you know horrible things were going to happen, and we we're going to be you know, left with, you know, our heads on a pike staff at the, you know, around the fire as a warning. And, and we were just desperately afraid. And these guys, and they're all coming towards us with, you know, black leather jackets and chains and human skulls hanging off their belts. And just, like, just, you know, you, you can't really see them in the dark. And they're coming towards the firelight. And, you know, and you're just waiting to, to be killed. And they finally moved in all around us. And, you know, Stan's got this guitar back in its case but he's got his guitar capo wrapped around his hand as a as a brass knuckles finally the the sort of the leader of this bike gang kind of came forward and and uh he focused in on stan because he was the largest of us and uh he said can you play michael row the boat ashore <laughs> so it was you know and it turned into a great night because of course we could and they all went back to their bikes and got beer out of their saddlebags and it turned into a, a pretty great party and it was all very innocent and sweet so i mean we're really talking about like men cr- <laughs> men crying out for tenderness yeah that's like, right really. yeah and they can't if they can't have it one-on-one or even with like small groups of their friends they can have it when they get drunk when they sing a song when they relate to mm. a longing and the sadness and the regret in something like Barrett's Privateers or the simplicity of something like Michael Rowe, The Boat Ashore. 
right. which right. I think probably would have harkened back to that tough guy's childhood, right? <laughs> You know what I mean? Oh, my God. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. The fact that Michael Row the Boat Ashore is a song set in a boat. Yes. <laughs> actually, actually, as well. Yeah. Not a sea shanty, but a song about crossing a divide of crossing right. a body of water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the metaphors here are just really, really rich because we we also, also hear in the story that uh, Garnet told about the audiences and my own my own my own acquaintance he you know how how people would be really aggressive asking him to play Barrett's privateers i think we also have like that toxic combination of like alcohol and rowdiness that and and that longing for an emotional climax which would lead uh these men to like get really in your face and really like not respecting you as a person as an artist and really just like absolutely i I want connection no yes yeah and they they feel like they're only safe to do so in a group completely hosed i think the unfortunate thing there is that even though there's camaraderie and there's sort of a group dynamic where they could share and they could be sort of loving and tender and kind to each other the folk music tradition that Garnet came from is a little different. I'll let him talk about it. You know, the early folk years when I was, you know, my, my model was the, the sort of the Bob Dylan folks, kind of the lonely, grumpy, sullen white guy on stage uh, exposing what he, you know, he thought was his soul. And uh, then kind of got exposed to the the choral singing from, you know, you know this is, you know, the fellows in Toronto, the Friends of Fiddler's Green, you know, and they were all from uh, Britain. Um, and they were singing a lot of, not shanty so much, but the the, the West Country songs from the Copper family and uh, uh, work songs and uh, like tremendous harmonies. And, and, you know, at a party, you'd be just sort of standing around with these guys. Everybody would have a pint, and they'd just be standing, sort of standing in a circle, and kind of leaning in, and working on these harmonies. And and it it was just astonishing because you'd hear these notes sliding up and down within a, a chord, and uh, it it just it, it there's some it appealed to me on some really deep level. My brother Stan and I, we we you know we were influenced by that, and uh, we incorporated. Uh, a lot of acapella stuff into our, our sets back in those days when we were playing these hellhole bars that hooked into. So we'd be doing three hour long sets a night. We'd get on stage and we had an hour where we didn't have to worry about tuning the guitars and we'd have a pint in our hands. And uh, if somebody gave us trouble, we could just put the pint down and wallop. That's the kind of places we were playing. TikTok is a very different situation. Uh, on TikTok, if you love it and you want to participate, you get up there and you sing along, you know, you add your voice to it. And it's very respectful, right? The crowd actually moves it along. So if you add your harmony and it works well, and then somebody wants to add to it and somebody wants to add to it, and then people mm-hmm. share it, then the crowd isn't screaming and saying, we demand more of this. The crowd is Sharing passing it. it around and saying, look at this, this is great. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And it doesn't diminish as it's being passed. It actually no, on the contrary, it, yeah, it expands and becomes bigger and 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 greater. Yeah, like a piece of bread in a parable or something. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, that is going to be really interesting. I mean, what will happen when, crossing myself, when our international nightmare is over and we can actually be in the same room singing together? What's going to happen to artists like Sam Pope, who are getting out there, making their names? Nathan Evans, you know, they're out there singing their songs. What's going to happen when they're in front of a, uh, in front of a crowd? Well, I don't necessarily know. But I will say this, Nathan Evans just got signed to Polydor Records <laughs> to record, so he's having some success. Sam's a professional musician who made his living, uh, you know, playing in different um, bands. And so he's planning to do some sea shanty sing-alongs and performing those, you know, once we're allowed back out in the world. And so when he told me that... Uh, I thought that I would ask Garnet, who has been singing in front of rowdy groups of people mm -hmm. for 40 plus years, what kind of advice he had. And here's what he had to say. I always say this to young musicians, find out what the person you really love the most, like, you know, this person that you, who's influenced you uh, the most, find out what they were listening to mm. and start going back. It's like trying to follow the headwaters of the Nile. We were listening to uh, uh, it was a wonderful trio, uh, The Young Tradition. Uh, it was Peter Bellamy and Heather Woods and uh, Royston Woods. And they were in, they came out of Britain in the 60s. And you can find them on YouTube. And they had extraordinary harmonies. And Peter had this strange sort of billy goat voice uh, that was just way up there. And that, if you, when you hear me singing the high harmony in Northwest Passage, I was, mm -hmm. I was actually sort of, just as a joke, I was trying to imitate Peter Bellamy. But the young tradition and, um, oh, just a brilliant, brilliant uh, group called The Voice Squad. Oh, my God. But they've been around forever. And you can see uh, YouTube footage of them as young men. But their repertoire is just incredible. And, and, and the, the harmonies are, are just, like, thrilling. You know, stuff that you wouldn't expect. And, and they just stand there and they sing or sometimes sing around a pub table. You know, you can you can you can find ways of incorporating you know the whole idea of you know singing a cappella, singing choruses and stuff in all kinds of different music. Again, if I had any advice, you know, look elsewhere for repertoire, find things that other people aren't singing, and uh, make it your own. Gotcha. Because there's at, at some point people are just going to go, yeah, I've, I've. But what's really interesting, though, uh, honestly, Garnet, is that this young man, Sam Pope, his name is described Barrett's Privateers to me. Oh, this is the most refreshing one I've done because I, I, he's never heard it before. It's brand new to him. Yeah. What's really odd is uh, in the midst of all this uh, and, and me being so, having been so thoroughly tired of the song for over 40 years, and, it, you know, and suddenly my inbox is, is just full of, of new versions of, of the damn song. <laughs> Initially, that I'm, I mean, I'm really happy to know that people are singing. I, I love the idea that people are singing. Um, I'm, I'm kind of just baffled that young people, like, I assume that TikTok is mostly very young people. Yep. Yeah, so they've, they've discovered this thing, and uh, God only knows how long it's going to last. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a, a festival director, and he said, boy, wait till they find out about folk festivals. That's really going to change their lives. <laughs> So Garnet's advice to get to know the influences of the people you love. Hopefully 
that helps Sam and Nathan and everybody else who's been involved in the sea shanty craze to find a, a bigger and broader repertoire. Yeah, I mean, the idea of grounding yourself in a, in a in a deeper tradition just seems like really solid advice. And I checked out the music that he was that he mentioned in that clip, and it was fantastic. And I I was really loving everything that I was hearing. How wonderful that they can be shared now. Yeah. You know, thank, thanks to something silly on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the incredible resources that we have even on, you know, YouTube and things on Spotify. Good things that the internet has brought us. That's right. <laughs> Jackie, thank you so much for taking me on this tour of sea shanties and bringing it back to this pier that we are sitting on now. Yes. Well, you're very welcome. So I want to say particular thanks to Garnet Rogers for agreeing to tell me his stories of being in the trenches or whatever the nautical equivalent of trenches are. I guess he was on deck. Garnet actually wrote a really lovely memoir about four years ago called Night Drive that is about his time on the road with Stan. So you can check that out. And Sam Pope, uh, who you can find on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter. And he is singing songs and learning new sea shanties and uh, doing things like turning the um, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air into a sea shanty, which is pretty fun. What a fresh-faced youngin'. Yes, very fresh. Thank you for joining us today on Coral Fixation. We are a podcast about people singing together. You can find us on Twitter at Coral underscore Fixation, and you can contact us at Coral Fixations with an S at gmail.com. And in addition to Twitter and Facebook and all those other great ways to connect with us online, we are going to have our very first Spotify playlist. Liz is going to make it for us. It's going to feature a bunch of songs that we talked about in this episode, including some of the great stuff that Garnet recommended for us. So search for Coral Fixation on Spotify. You know, the TikTok thing is interesting, but let's face it, it is a micro trend. And like, we'll be explaining to people three years from now about how everybody was singing pirate songs, and they're going to be like, what? Okay. <laughs> I don't know, though. I, I mean, here's so. the thing. Because this, well, this is what I said uh -huh. to, this is what I said to Garnet was, you know, this comes in waves. Right. Right? Like, so this could precipitate yeah. a wave, uh, yes. like, a, like a trend that has a, a longer impact. Indeed. Because, I mean, that whole Celtic thing lasted, like, the, a good five, four or five years in the 90s. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, who knows? Right. right. Who knows the blue nose in the sun?